welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumster, and today we're going to be talking with Aaron Spencer, who is one of the bright shining stars in the HR technology industry analyst space. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? Just fine, John. Good morning to you. Would you take a moment and tell people who you are and um, what you're doing here? Sure. I am Erin Spencer. I'm a senior research analyst at Sierra Cedar, which may have been known by a number of different names over the years, but we run the longest-running HR system survey. So last year, or this year, 2018, was the 21st year that Sierra Cedar, in its various forms, had conducted research on the HR systems and technology space. That's pretty impressive. So what does that research cover? <laughs> so our research covers a lot of information. It, I, I'd like to say it covers everything in the HR technology space, which is both true and untrue at the same time. So the survey itself is a monster. I'm not sure. I mean, we break every single rule that people would consider when they do actual research. It's huge. and it has over 200 questions, and it covers um, from the beginning, we ask about whether or not you have an HR system strategy, whether or not you're planning on increasing or decreasing your spending, where you're planning on spending your time in the next 12 months, in the next 24 months, about your size, resourcing, succession. Then we go into different um, technology types. So administrative, do you have a core HRMS? Do you have a payroll? If you don't have those things, are you planning on having them in the next 12 months? If you do have those things, how are they deployed? Who is your vendor? Do you like them? Um, and that goes through Core HRMS, so there's administrative, there's uh, service delivery, there's workforce management, talent management, business intelligence, which we're now calling workforce intelligence. Then we go into emerging tech, vendors, implementations, costs, et cetera. So it, it runs the gamut of the entire HR technology space as we see it and as, as we can get people to answer. Well, that must be an expensive report. <laughs> Did you say expensive or extensive? Expensive. Expensive. Expensive, no. The research is free to anybody who wants to go download it. It's sierracedar.com, um, annual research. You'll find it on the homepage. Anybody can download our white paper. Um, we have a big one. It's 120-ish pages this year. We also have all of the white papers from previous years available for download on the site. So if you want to spend an evening looking at the HR technology market, and how things have changed over the years, you can go back and read past reports and see how people thought about HR technology in 1999, the same way you could figure out what people thought about HR technology in 2018. That's wild. That's really, really interesting. Uh, why does Sierra Sierra Cedar wants to provide thought leadership to the marketplace, to the space, to the industry. Sierra Cedar itself is a third-party implementer, so if you wanted to uh, implement PeopleSoft or Workday or some other things, um, admittedly, I don't pay any attention to that space. I don't know much about what they do or how you would do that, um, but there are salespeople who I'm sure would be happy to discuss your current technology needs with you if you were inclined. Um, but I don't do that. I just pay attention to the overall space and the research. That's, that's very, very interesting. So how did you get here? How does somebody become a researcher in um, HR technology? That's a pretty obscure little niche. It's, it's a strange little spot. And I like to say that I, there's no actual path to becoming an analyst. Um, and most of the analysts that I know have kind of fallen into it in some way or another. I actually got here through a LinkedIn post. Um, my current manager, Stacey Harris, 
posted on LinkedIn about 10, 12 years ago that she wanted someone to be an internet researcher and writer from home 15 to 20 hours a week. And at the time, I had worked with Stacey previously. She left that job. I left that job. We've both done other things in between. And I was, um, I had a small child. My son was about two years old. We were trying to have another baby. And I was like, well, with the amount of money that I'm paying for daycare, I could do this job from home for Stacy and stay home. And it, it didn't work out that way. Well, I do work from home, but the kids go to daycare as well. They should. My parenting skills should be outsourced. And um, I now am, am, a, am a research analyst. But um, I had a background in HR in that when I worked with Stacy originally, what we were doing was we were writing training material for corporate recruiters. So we were teaching new recruiters how to be recruiters. Uh, we were from Management Recruiters International, which is now MRI Network. And then I managed the LMS and the training program. So I did a lot of um, events. I managed all of the face-to-face -face classes. I programmed things in the LMS and uh, did lots of go-to-meetings and webinars and that sort of thing. And so as my career progressed and as Stacey's career progressed, we met up again, and she was leaving Burson, going to Brandon Hall, and wanted someone to go with her. And she said, are you interested? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm six and a half months pregnant. Maybe we'll wait until the baby comes, and then I'll do it. And then I had a bad day at work and called her back. And I was like, never mind. <laughs> Let's just do this now. So I um, started at Brandon Hall, and that was just over seven years ago, and haven't looked back. So was the work the same at Brandon Hall? That's a, Brandon Hall is a, um, an industry analyst firm out of Florida somewhere. Was, was, was it the same sort of work? Yes and no. So what's interesting is that the analysts, although they're overall HR technology analysts, and you know they're the the people that you'll see, and they're people that give um, talks at different HR conferences, and you'll obviously John, you're one of the analysts, and there are some other names that you'll have heard of if you pay attention to this space, like Kyle Lagunas or Madeline Lorano or Molly Lombardi or Trish McFarlane or Steve Bowes or I mean there are, there are a group of us that tend to travel together and we're at the events but we all do things a little bit differently some of us pay more attention to different areas so Brandon Hall tended to focus on learning technology they have it they had an LMS um, database where you could plug in what you were looking for in technology and it would spit out the answer that had all the features you were looking for they ran an awards program and so I helped with some of that I did awards program judging they had a lot of case studies so I was doing publications for that they did surveys on a very regular basis much smaller than the survey that we do here at Sierra Cedar so I was involved in the programming and the analysis of those surveys and some of the skills are the same and some of them are different than what we do here at Sierra Cedar. Sierra Cedar is definitely more in the survey department and we do more white papers and we, we do more webinars and et cetera off of that data, but we don't do as much um, client work or corporate work as some of the other analysts and analyst firms do. So, so you've talked about sort of a lot of deadlines in being an analyst, but, but, but let's, let's talk a little bit about what it means to, to what's the analyze part of analysts. You, you, do, you do in this current job the review, massaging, and cleaning, and improvement, and conclusion drawing for a huge study, right? Yes. It's, it's like 
200 questions and like uh, you know you actually get 25 or 2600 people to respond and fill it out a lot what does analyst mean when you've got that kind of data it's a huge pile of data it's a huge pile of data and that's actually my favorite part like i'm literally rubbing my hands together just thinking about the data and how exciting that is to me. So the Sears Center HR System Survey is a monster survey, but we run it once a year. So we launch in the spring, we send it out to all of the people in our network, and then we have a number of distributors. So we rely on people such as yourself, John. I know that you and Stacy do the radio show and you heavily plug the survey for us to your listeners. And then we also have different associations. We use our past respondents. We talk to vendors and have them distribute to their client list. We have over 150 different distributors who all have the links up, who send out in their newsletters, who work with us to make sure that the survey has as wide of a distribution to as many people in as many roles and industries in the HR space as possible. So what we'll do then is when the survey closes, so early June um, 2018 is when the survey closes, then I take the data and then I clean it. So what we do is we keep only individual organizations. So I get an export of the the data, and then I put that in Excel because as much as I love Qualtrics, which is our survey tool, and I'm thrilled that we have them because I couldn't do my job without them. When you have to do the kind of cleaning that I do, it, Excel is the best way to do it. So I take only individual organizations. So for example, if two people from HR Examiner answered my survey, I would only keep one of your responses. But then I would look at your responses and say, hey, John answered the HR technology vendor section, but he didn't answer the emerging tech section, but someone else from his organization did answer that section, so then I'll move around the data from that section into the other section. I also keep organizations that are too small. We used to only keep organizations that were less, that were more than 200 employees. We have gone down in size considerably from that, um, that was 2013 that we, or 2014 that was a 200 and um, above because, as you well know, John, companies that are even smaller than that are purchasing HR technology. It's no longer just companies that are larger who are able to afford or who are interested in some certain types of technology in this space. So I, there, there's a cleaning process that I go through to take out the people that we don't want to have in there. And then that gets us to a certain number of organizations. We ended with 1636 this year once I cleaned out people that hadn't really gone far enough in the survey to give me enough data to really do good analysis, the too small, the people that don't know what they're talking about. And yes, I can tell if you don't know what you're talking about, you just give me junk responses for everything. If you have a bunch of I don't knows, then your data is really not going to be very helpful to me. But then I take the data and then I do extra analysis on it. So for example, if you tell me how many, if you tell me that you have an HR administrative, core HRMS system and a payroll system and a benefit system, then I add in an extra column and I do some math on how many administrative systems you have. So is that one, two, or three? But then I do that for service delivery and workforce management and talent management and BI and the emerging tech. And then I have extra columns for all of those things. And then I add them all up. So I can see how many of these things in total you have. And then so I do analysis on it, what size you are and how many that you have in your organization, at what point do you have, do you add more systems? So for every essentially 730 employees, organizations tend to add one more of the system categories that we talk about. Or um, depending on how many vendors you, we ask about your vendors and do you have a talent management suite and then how many different vendors do you have for that space? The same for payroll. And it's interesting to me 
when you think about this space, how many organizations have multiple vendors, multiple payroll vendors, multiple talent management, or multiple recruiting vendors? It's not like people go in and have just one vendor and that takes care of every one of their HR technology needs. That is absolutely not true. So there is a lot of complexity in, in the data and in the cleaning, but then extra pieces of the cleaning include, so for example, John, is Workday on-premise or is it in the cloud, aka SaaS? You would assume that everybody who has Workday knows that it's in the cloud, aka a SaaS solution. That is not true. I was amazed by the number of people that have solutions that I know are in the cloud but tell me that their deployment is licensed on-prem. It's not. So I have to go in and actually check the vendors that people have, and I go back to the place where they talk about their deployment, and then I change their answers so that people, what people have matches up with their deployment method. So, so that's, that's really interesting. Part of what you're talking about is um, um, the technology is so complex that people actually don't understand what they have a lot of the time. Is that, that that's what you're saying there? Yes, yes and no. Um, people understand that they have something, but I am amazed when we ask people whether or not the technology that they have meets their needs. And sometimes people will say, oh, yes, always. But if they don't say that it always meets their needs, I ask them why it doesn't meet their needs. And for a couple of years, that was a fill-in until we could get the, we could get enough types of responses to know what people should have as a checkbox there. And one of the responses was, the technology is great. We don't know how to use it. We don't have the people in place at our organization that have the understanding of how to better use this technology to make our organization more functional in using it. And how often did you we, see that? How, how often did you see that? Enough to, to think, oh yeah, there's a real problem here with, um, at some point in the either selection or deployment or overall use process to go, oh, companies really should pay a little bit more attention to this, um, both on the vendor side and on the, 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 the purchasing side. You know, if you're spending thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars on this HR technology and the people in your organization don't know how to use that, you've got a real problem there and um, someone should be paying attention to it and fixing it. Um, this year we asked whether or not your organization tracked the use of your HR technology, and the numbers for that were disgustingly low. Um, so they don't even know who's using it. Um, and if you don't know who's using it, you don't know if it's useful. And if you don't know if it's useful, then why do you bother having it? Um, one of the very first questions that we ask organizations is whether or not you have an HR system strategy. Um, so do you actually understand what you have and how it all works together? And uh, a significant number of organizations either don't have a strategy or have one that's not used. Um, or not updated. So if you have all of these things, but you're not paying attention to how you use them, is it really worthwhile? And one of the other interesting pieces of analysis we've done is we've tried to actually prove that if you have a particular vendor, you have better financial outcomes or business outcomes or HR outcomes. And Qualtrics, which again, I love, has this statistical piece that lets you do analysis like that. You just hit a few buttons and then it tells you whether or not something is statistically significant. So I'll look at specific vendors against the other variables, including the HR um, talent management and um, business outcomes, and there is no statistical significance between having a particular vendor 
and those particular outcomes. So I'm sure that vendors don't really want me to say that, but the truth is if you have something and if you're using it, you can make it work for your organization if you are paying attention because what we do see that has statistical significance for those outcomes is organizations that have an HR system strategy. That's really, really interesting. So um, I, I, I should have asked you to bring data to the, to the <laughs> you know, <laughs> bring data to the night. I actually, I, I did actually bring, get, get my own um, printed copy of the, the survey. It's right in front of me and there's a part of me like, oh, I, I, I'm flipping through it even though you can't see it. And I'm like, oh yeah, what was the number for that thing? Because obviously, um, you know, there are, when you've got over a hundred and some pages of data, every page has has information on it. I'm like, oh, I can't remember the exact statistic for that. But, you know, we cover a lot of things. Um, so we look at whether or not um, you're interested in changing your payroll application and your talent management application and your workforce management and your core HRMS. And we look at whether or not you're planning on replacing that. And then um, your average deployment in years. And so if you have had your system for X number of years, what is the average number of years that people have had a system and then plan on making a change? So for payroll, organizations that have had their system for 5.26 years is the average, they're not planning on making a change. But if you had your system for 8.62 years, so over eight years, in that's the average of change for the next 12 months. So if I was a salesperson and looking to sell payroll systems to an organization, I would ask them how long they'd had their system. And if it's, say, less than six years, I'm not sure I'd bother with them. But if it's more than eight, they would be on my call list on a regular basis. This is a pretty impressive depth of knowledge. So so how many people read every year? Do you know? <laughs> I don't, and that's actually um, one of the things that troubles me the most about my work is I think it's fabulous. I think that we do great work. I think that the information contained in the report is fascinating, but I don't know how useful it is. I don't know how many people actually look at the report and go, oh, yes, this was helpful to me in my journey in either buying or selling HR technology or understanding the HR technology space. You know, I wish that I had a, had better insights into how people were actually using the data. And if people could say to me, oh, Aaron, this was really helpful and I was able to do X, Y, Z because of the information you provided, can you have more of that? I would love to be able to do more of what people really needed. And if you look through the report, and we always try to figure out what to cut and what to keep for the next year, and you could say, oh, this wasn't helpful to me, but this was. And I, I wish that I had more insight into that because unfortunately I don't. And so it's hard it's kind of exciting because then I get to concentrate on the things that I think are interesting and important. But I wish that I was able to do more for the people that are reading to be able to say, oh, yeah, this is the information you need, and here's how I can help you better with the information that I have. It's, it sounds so useful, and, and, and it would be useful to users of the technology, um, decision makers about the technology, and the vendors who support them. So you would imagine that that thousands of people would read this every year. I, I would hope so. I would I would really love to know that people do read it and it's useful to them in their technology journey. So if somebody else wanted your job, what would they need to know? <laughs> um, 
So if someone else is interested in my job, they would really need to understand in some ways just how data works. So the difference between if you have a multiple, multiple choice question and a, a regular a question where you just choose one answer and how, how the math works for that. And if you're looking at something and dividing it by the row or dividing it by the column, um, because your numbers are different depending on which, which variable you're looking at. So the, a key piece is just understanding data and data manipulation. I do a lot of information in Excel. I do a lot with pivot tables. Uh, as much as I would love to say that I do all of my analysis in Qualtrics, I, I simply don't. Um, there are pieces, parts that I have to put into my analysis to be able to do extra things, and I'll pull something out of Qualtrics and then do something extra in Excel and do the math there. It, there's a lot of data in, involved in what I do, but the, the hard part about that is that it's only at particular times of the year. So what I do is very seasonal. When the survey is open, I'm spending a lot of time sending reports to people that actually take the survey. So if you take the survey and you make it all the way to the end and you request a snapshot report, I will send you an individual report that compares your answers to the, question, the answers from either a size, industry, or region, and you can pick which one um, based on last year's data. So you'll get this 15-page little report with your answers and then people who are in that thing, that particular category from last year. Uh, and in 2018, I sent over a thousand reports to individuals who completed the survey. So that's a big part of my job from April to June. But then when the survey closes, I spend a solid six, eight weeks going through the data. Um, one of the other things that I didn't even mention yet is that we also track financial information from publicly traded organizations. So if, for example, you are from an organization that is publicly traded and you take my survey, I will go out, actually, the last few years I've had someone else go out. Um, but they find the information on like Yahoo Finance. They look at um, profit, income, return on equity, the major financial metrics, and then I put those all back into the data. And then I can do financial, um, financial analysis based on if a company has XYZ, does that actually improve other financial metrics and how does that work? Um, so the understanding of data, Excel, pivot tables, um, but we also work with distributors. So you need to be willing to go out and talk to people to ask them to distribute the survey to want to have relationships that will um, influence the data. You need to talk to uh, people who actually use HR software to understand if what you're doing actually makes, what you're asking about makes sense in the way that they use technology and software. I do briefings with vendors to understand what they're offering and um, how that fits into the overall HR technology marketplace, market space, what they're seeing, the trends that they're following for the next year or even further out. So part of being an analyst is sometimes you get invited to uh, different analyst events that vendors will put on so that they can bring everybody together in a room and talk about what they're doing next and their roadmap for the next 12 months and beyond and their partnerships and partnerships with other vendors um, because, you know, you can have a recruiting vendor, but the recruiting vendor also needs to talk to the other types of vendors. And so um, the space has a lot of lines and connections. So there's a part of that. So you have to be interested in at least a little bit of travel. You need to want to talk to people. You need to be curious about the space. You need to be able and willing to ask tough questions, but you need to understand how the space works so that you can know the questions to ask. It's, um, you have to be ha happy behind a desk for long periods of time because there's a lot of writing, a lot of research, a lot of editing, uh, even your 
putting out a hundred and some page paper once a year. There's a lot of work that goes into that. But then on the other hand, you have to be willing to talk about it. Stacy and I do a number of webinars and we talk about the research. We'll do uh, Obviously, we just the, the first um, public debut of the survey has been an HR technology conference for the last upteen number of years. So Stacy gets up and has a panel and she talks about our data. So you have to be comfortable being in front of people and yet being behind the scenes and doing a lot of grunt work at the same time. I mean, I do a lot of things in Excel that are like copy this column, remove this number, change this value from a one to a two, and you know I spend weeks at a time doing that. So you have to be willing to do something different every day. So, so what's something that you do that would be critical but nobody would immediately notice? <laughs> a lot of the vendor cleaning. So it's interesting, a lot of the information that we have in the survey you could, and organizations do close the survey tomorrow and publish all of the all of the data that came out, though, just the way that people answered it. But like I was talking about um, whether or not someone had a particular deployment method for their HR technology based on what they had or what they what they told me they had. Um, I do a lot of checking. And then if someone says that they'll have a particular vendor today and they don't fill anything in for the next 12 months, well, that doesn't mean that they aren't going to have that particular vendor in the next 12 months. And so there's another question in the survey that asks whether or not they're planning on changing their HR technology vendor. So if they say no, then I go in and fill in the 12-month column with the fact that they're not planning on changing, so that they're essentially keeping that vendor for the next 12 months. Uh, so that could not be done, and the general public wouldn't know, but, but I would know. And um, that, I think that's one of the reasons that our data is so robust is because we spend a lot of time checking and making sure that the things we ask are accurate. And Qualtrics has been really helpful with that in some of their particular tools. Before we had Qualtrics, we just asked things like, if you have a particular vendor, what's your user experience and what's your vendor satisfaction? You just filled in a number. But if you had multiple vendors, you don't know if that user experience or vendor satisfaction number tied to that particular vendor. Qualtrics has a carry forward option. So if someone chooses that they have five HR technology vendors, then those number, those vendor names carry forward to the question that asks about user experience and vendor satisfaction. So you can give me the number for that, and it corresponds to that individual vendor. So then I actually have a chart in the paper that gives user experience and vendor satisfaction numbers, but those are actually tied to overall, a specific vendor, not your overall impression of your HRMS or payroll technology stack. So last thing, um, what's the most important thing you've learned in the job? Overall, that it's important to pay attention and plan and have a strategy. It's really easy to run off in a particular direction and convince yourself that you're right and just go forward because so many of us have a lot of different things that pull at our time and energy. And it's really hard sometimes to just sit down and take a minute or two or 10 and really think about where do you want to be when you're going forward, especially when it comes to your tech and your strategy. Like, what do we really have? What do we want to accomplish with what we have? What are our goals for the future going to be? And I, we find that organizations that do that do better. But for me personally, because what I do is very um, cyclical, 
and yet time dependent at the same time. I, I have lists and I take make a list of all the things I have to accomplish and then I'll put down like the hours in the day and how, how long I think that something's going to take and how do I get that done. So planning from both a corporate and an individual perspective are the things that have been become very important to me to figure out what the strategies are for going forward and accomplishing the things that I need to do. That's fantastic. So, so thanks for taking the time to do this. Would you reintroduce yourself and tell people how they might get a hold of you? I will. Thank you so much, John. Again, Aaron Spencer, I'm a senior research analyst here at Sierra Cedar. You can download the white paper at sierracedar.com and please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, Aaron Spencer, just Google me and I, or LinkedIn with me and I should pop right up. I'm also on Twitter at Aaron underscore HR if you want to connect with what I have to say there. Thanks so much, Aaron. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Are you Thanks, looking John, for a new it. way to attract and engage top talent? Add student loan repayment to your benefits light up. Benefit Ed is easy to offer this in-demand benefit any time of your simple administration for you, simple sign-up for employees. With programs to help pay down student loans or save for college, Benefit Ed helps meet the education goals of employees at any life stage. Compete for the best and build your dream team. Learn more at youbenefited.com slash HRX. That's Y-O-U-Benefit-E-D.com slash HRX. And thanks for listening. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. We've been talking with Aaron Spence, and we will see you here same time next week. Goodbye now. 